Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Great to see you all. I just want to say, um, before we get fully into this, um, I, I heard, I was, you know, I heard about a conversation about um, being married recently, and when people get married, there are there are <laughs> three different kinds of rings that come into the equation. Um, the first one being uh, the engagement ring. Who's received an engagement ring in here ever? <laughs> Uh, then there's, of course, the wedding ring. But then finally there's suffering. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> so all three elements are, are factors in some marriages. I'm not saying all, uh, but I just... Um, anyway, there you go. My wife is now in here, so I, <laughs> I now need to uh, be careful with the whole I've just done myself. So... But uh, I'm really excited about this series, Emmanuel, God with us, because um, this, this, this church, BCC, is just a brilliant church to be part of, and the people are what make it so fantastic. The teams, the heart in the church, the generosity, the giving, the, the love in the church is superb. And, and if you're visiting, then you've, you've got a great treat ahead if you want to start connecting with us. But, but it's only possible because God himself has, uh, has come into this world, and and we can take direct connection with that in this church because God is visible in this church through, through stuff that happens here. And Emmanuel, of course, means God with us. And <clears throat> this morning, uh, we're continuing with the series. This is the third week. Uh, the first week, we talked about God being both, sorry, Jesus being both God and man. So uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that from Scripture. So Jesus gave up his rights as God to be born as a child. And that's the Christmas message, really, um, and we're coming up towards Christmas. In fact, it felt like Christmas this morning. In fact, I can see the snow is falling right now. So who knows if you're uh, driving or anyway, whatever. So, but um, it's exciting. Last week um, we we looked at the relationship um, that God has with His Jesus has with His Father in heaven, and how that separation occurred. And we talked about loneliness. Vlad did a great message on being separated and what it is to be lonely and, and, um, and how God has a process behind all that. And today we're going into this topic of pain and suffering um, and just looking at why this is such a big deal. I did some internet searching during the week around the topic of, of pain and suffering. And, um, and I put it a search question, suffering in the world today. Um, and I, th- I wondered how many hits I would get if I put that question into the internet. I also put the question joy in the world today. And I thought, well, two you know, opposites almost, suffering versus joy. And the joy in the world today came out with 14.9 million hits. Good number. Suffering came up with 91.7 million hits. Uh, so it kind of shows you that suffering and pain is a, just that alone. It kind of swamps joy. Because it's, it's, it's so many people have the experience at times of some sort of pain or some sort of suffering. In fact, it's so serious that God takes it very serious. The Bible devotes the entire book to the, the, the topic of suffering and pain. Uh, the book of Job, which is one of the oldest books chronologically in the Bible. 
And, uh, and it's, that book starts with this tussle in heaven or this kind of you know, conversation going on ahead of him between God and, um, and Satan, really. And it's the, the tension that goes on in heaven or had gone on in heaven around that topic. So it brings the conflict between God's love and sin in the world at an early point. And it spills out into the life of this man, Job, uh, on the earth. And it's a, it's a long book, actually, and he goes through a lot of stuff. He loses his wife, his children, his family, his business. And in the end, um, because of his faithfulness to God, God brings him right through that and through all these suffering moments. And, and God stands with, with Job, and he restores everything that's been lost to Job. And in many ways, that just shows to me God's intention. God's plan is that we don't ultimately lose, that we ultimately, as we stand with him, God will bring us through what we've got to come through and that he will provide when it feels like there's, there's no way to, to see restoration. So the Bible takes the topic of suffering and pain very, very seriously. And of course, Jesus himself was experienced with, with that. But before we get into what he's done for us and then how he coped with it and then what it means for us, I want to just summarize the, the three kind of broad areas I think suffering and pain become an issue for us in life. So firstly, it's circumstantial, where, where you're dealing with stuff that just happens. It's kind of maybe nature. Maybe it's, you know, right now there, are, there have been earthquakes. There's fires in California. There's been floods in many parts of the world and in Asia right now. Um, there's famines in South Sudan. I mean, I'm the mission leader at AFG, and I get all of this stuff coming through to me with other organizations, and I send it through to AOG nationally, to the, the 600 churches. And we do appeals and raise finances across the country, and then it goes abroad and things. And, and so we know it's very, very difficult for people. And uh, it's inequality around the world in a massive way. We've got Syrian refugees still. Um, got just so much going on at the moment. In fact, at one point this year, I said to my team, we can't keep sending out appeals because it's like every week there's another major catastrophic event going on. And people may look at that and say, well, you, that, why, where's God in all this? Well, we'll tackle that this morning. But the Bible makes it clear that the earth is groaning as though it was in the pains of labor and childbirth. Why? It's, it's as though it's the sin that we've talked about already in this discussion this morning. Um, that is in this world, the sin that is there is affecting the physical makeup of this world and it affects everything. And people don't really understand it, but um, it talks about the world being cursed because of sin. And the, 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 the world, the earth is longing for the time when it can break out of that and be what God always planned it to be. And we know that's part of God's eternal plan, that there'll be a new heaven, new earth, um, that the removal of pain and suffering. But there are other things we have to deal with, the cravings of others. A lot of us come into, into contact with people who, who just really are selfish. They live for themselves. They've got their own agendas. They've got their own motivation. They, they don't care about other people. It's just about them. And the cravings of others affect us. We suffer sometimes because of that. Political leaders, boy, you know, national country leaders, dictators, you know, be war crimes in, in The Hague again uh, in the last few months. And we see all this stuff. The cravings of others who are self-righteously doing their own thing affects us. And then, of course, we can't ignore ourselves because our choices can cause us pain and suffering. Our own choices. And who's ever made a choice that's ended up being a painful uh, uh, situation? I have. In fact, I would say most of my pain and suffering <laughs> 
has come, well, a lot of it has come through my own mistakes. And, and, and why? Because there's sometimes the right thing to do and sometimes not the right thing to do. And, and, it, and it, reveals, it reveals this tension that is in, in creation about um, what is right and what is not right. So we're going to look into this as we go forward this morning. Suffering is the state of, um, of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. It can be physical, emotional, probably both at times. Uh, often people who are emotionally stressed out that can affect them physically as well. So there's all, this whole thing is a big, big topic, but uh, we're going to try and tackle it this morning um, a little bit. But in terms of the consequences of just what happens in life, we talked about the way the world is. is well, there's poverty around our world, a massive, massive layer. World, world poverty, the World Poverty Index says that... Um, that 50% of the world's population are living in on, on under two pounds a day. That's $2.50. 50% of the world's population. That means there's over one billion children out there who are in abject extreme poverty because their families just don't have the money to go around. Um, we, we've got Rwanda as an, 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 an intervention with Compassion. We're partnering with them to, to bring an intervention in one of the communities that we're working with in Rwanda, and I just was interested to see that in Rwanda, it's on the extreme end of things. Actually, 50% of the Rwandan population live on incomes of less than £1.50 a day. How on earth you can provide for children with that level of income, I don't, I don't know. And that's why these things are called interventions, and that's why we're doing a giveaway, and, and it's going to go, half of it is going to go um, into a project to, to help community out there. But this is even more alarming. Uh, who's, um, who's been watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? Anyone? <laughs> Nobody's willing to confess to that, that sin. <laughs> it's not a sin, by the way, before I condemn you. I quite, I quite enjoy it for a few minutes. I don't like their menus. I don't go for the food they eat. And I don't, I don't like spiders, as it happens, uh, particularly. My daughter loves spiders. <laughs> Nut. <laughs> um, but there was just a comment on one of the quizzes they had on, on I'm a Celebrity. It said, how much money are families, households in Britain going to spend at Christmas this year in 2017? And I literally just turned it on. That came on as a question. I thought, well, that's an interesting question. And they're trying to guess between, is it something like £410 over Christmas or will it be £820? I'm thinking, it can't be that high. And it is. Last year was just under that level. Um, statistically, British households will spend £820 celebrating Christmas. And in the majority, it's got nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That's what I find so amazing. And if that's the average, I know some will have a lot less, but there'll be some spending a whole lot more on presents and food and all the other stuff that goes with having and celebrating Christmas. Inequality causes pain and suffering. And the world is full of people that are going through some serious situations right now. And we all know of it, so we won't labor that. But, um, but choice is important. And that was my third thing. You know, pain and suffering can come from the wrong choices, but, but actually the opposite of pain and suffering can come as well. We can solve and begin to be part of the solution in the areas of pain and suffering if we choose to be and choose to focus on it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. In fact, God uh, and God in, his, in heaven before Jesus ever came and was born, um, God, the Trinity, made this decision together that, that they would intervene for the whole of humanity. And this prophecy was Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ. And God put this prophecy through him 
And it, it talks about who Jesus is. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. They're talking about the Jesus Christ that would be born at Christmas and give his life for us, that he would go through suffering and he'd become familiar with pain. That word familiar is intimate with pain, almost like a kind of relationship, one person with another. The inter- In other words, you know the intensity and the, the intimacy of the pain uh, uh, that he would go through. And so he, this is the prophetic word beforehand, 700 years. Um, but I, it's interesting because I was in Nepal a little while ago, and I remember the conversation I had with the guide. We went to see this t- city in Kathmandu called Bhaktapur. Um, and it was a city in its own right. And the king of the city commissioned these lion statues to be built, to be made, sculpted and created with an artist. He was so excited about the quality of the carving that he celebrated it. And, and he was, but he was self-centered. His own cravings and he he didn't want anybody else to have the experience that he'd had with these lions so he he pulled the artist in and they chopped his hands off so that he couldn't go and reproduce anything of this quality for anybody else that's the that's the position of selfish self-interest it's the cravings of others Uh, and this is a true story i mean i I just find that mind-blowing that that that's okay you know it's not okay but it's it's just a simple example of how bad um, people just prioritize themselves. So, but Jesus was the opposite. It says in Isaiah again that he was pierced for our transgressions, or he would be really, but he was, it talks in the past tense, doesn't it? You see, God already planned this. He already knew it was going to happen. Just like he knew you'd be here today, just like he knew the pain and the suffering you'd go through, he knew it. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That healing is everything. It's not just physical healing. It's the healing of our spiritual state. It's the, the healing eternally of, of who we are and the restoration of, of what's been taken from our lives because of the sin in the world. It goes on to say in verse 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. It, I, just, I find it astonishing that God would choose this route to, to solve a problem, but it does many things, and, and not least of all, it shows us that Christ himself understands pain and suffering. He understands you, he understands me. And uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ who never sinned. He never did anything wrong. And I do stuff wrong every week. I know I, I shouldn't be confessing that as a pastor, but I do. My family know that. You know, we, we don't get it all right. We, we make mistakes. We, we, we get things wrong. But Jesus never got it wrong. He never sinned. So God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God uh, through Christ. That's why he did it. He, he chose to give himself for that one purpose. And, of course, he achieved a lot in, in, the, in the process. I, have, I had a friend a few years ago called Chris, and um, I met him when I was in the sixth form. I knew him quite well at school. And we went out for a coffee one day. We were hanging out. And I asked him the question, would he give his life for any cause or for anybody? And he wasn't very quick to say yes about that. And um, in fact, he he dwelt on it. 
And I, I challenge him, what is it that's worth dying for in life? Is there anybody you would give your life for? I asked the, the church through the two or three services today, two services prior, prior to this, is there anybody you know that you would give your life for? Anybody? And you could probably think of one, two, three, four, maybe people that you'd be willing to do that for. But they'd be people, they'd be your children, your parents, your closest friends, a sibling. Now let's go a little bit further out. How about the person you work with? How about your boss? How about one of your lecturers? Ah, oh, come on. That wasn't rehearsed. You know, what about the person who sent you that snotty email? What about the person who's giving you grief in situations? Would you give your life for them? I'm telling you, I would. I, would, I wouldn't worry. I'd, I'd say, get your own justice. You know? But that's where God steps in, you see, and he makes the difference because he says, you can't do it for yourself. And every human being is lost, everyone, unless I am the route through which they come. So, so I shared this with Chris, and you know, years went by. And then he started to come to this church. And then one day, he gave his life to Christ. And I baptized Chris here. A great day. And I said to him, Chris, what, what really was the point that you felt that God was starting to get on your case? And he said, it's when we talked about what would you give your life for? He said, I realized that I wouldn't give my life for anything. And if Jesus had given his life for me, I had to look at that. I had to take that seriously because I wasn't prepared to do that for anybody else. And that's, that was his point. Now, a lot of stuff happened on that journey, but uh, um, it's important. So that's why Jesus endured suffering for us, because he was the only way of solving a, a massive global dilemma. But how did Jesus overcome sin, sorry, overcome pain and suffering? He never sinned. How did he do it? We read in Hebrews 12, one to do, let us run with endurance, the writer to the Hebrews made this statement. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this is, this is huge because it tells us two things. It tells us how Jesus was able to do what he did. It was for the joy set before him. And what was the joy that was set before him? You and me. It's us. He, the joy was knowing that humanity could be reconciled with God, could be brought back, could have a relationship with God. Knowing that, that was his joy. It wasn't just being back in heaven and, and having those rights. It really was about... He was able to fulfill the ability for you and I to have a relationship once more with God. That was the joy set before him. And so he endured the cross and despised the shame. He endured all of that for you and I to have choice. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's incredible to me that that's, that was his moment. So he knew what his purpose was, but he also knew his identity. He knew that it was him who was the one who had to do it. He knew he had to do it. He knew that he, who is God incarnate, had to be the one. So, he, you know, he was tempted in the wilderness. Why was he tempted? Well, it's to try and get him off the track. Because, you know, if you're God, if you are God, call the angels. If you're, you know, turn the stone to bread. If you are, if you are, creating doubt, trying to, that's how the devil works, trying to create doubt in our minds about who we are. And in our lives, we need to be really clear about who we are and what is our purpose. Otherwise, we get drawn in. And when times of suffering and pain come along, 
we get very, very shaky because we start to drift into our own space and we, we, we start to look for reasons to give blame or, or, or you know, it can't be my fault. It's not my fault. Where is God now? He didn't give me what I wanted. He's not got me out of the mess. But in the end, we pull ourselves back from God and, or at risk of doing so. And, and actually, that's wrong. We've got to keep our identity really set on who Christ is. Let him be our focus and, and know why he's called us. It says in, uh, in Luke uh, 19, for the Son of Man, which is his, one of the names of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, used in the Gospels, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That was his primary purpose. So he knew he would be able to do that if he, if he endured the suffering of the cross and the shame that that would bring. He knew that was the only way to do it. So it was based on that. And we lose track of our journey in life because we forget. or We, we allow our identity to be condemned. We allow those tempting thoughts to say, well, you're nothing. You're a failure. You wouldn't be in this pain if you hadn't messed up. You wouldn't, you know, we, and then we blame God or we blame somebody. Or we might blame ourselves. And then we do things to ourselves. And, or we, we go through depression. Or we, you know, we end up, the plan of Sin is to destroy people's future. And Jesus says, look, I've been through it and I can give you a way through it and I can show you how good things can become. So even though you've got to endure it, what is it it's all about? So, so Jesus understood it. I love what T.G. Jake says. He says, if you can't find out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. I like that because sometimes people really struggle. What is my purpose? You know, I'm trusting God or I'm not trusting. What is my, what is it? What's my purpose? What irritates you in a nice way for all the right reasons? What, what really inspires you? Give your life for that. Give your life to the thing that God is probably putting in your world to inspire you, to, that frustrates you. You want to do something about. As long as it's something that's godly and it's not something that's human-centered. It needs to be God-centered. But what is it that God is calling you to, even, it doesn't matter how old you are, you might be older in years, but you can still be filled with passion and your purpose can become more powerful than ever before. I thought a few years ago, well, I've kind of done everything I need to do and I'm finding almost weekly now, I'm finding more and more and more things that I'm getting kind of drawn to and not always of my own choice, I will tell you. But uh, what's, what's your passion? So as we go on to the suffering of Jesus himself, what did he actually go through for us? And it's important we think about this because if he's the one who understands us, we need to know why he can understand us. Now, the pain and suffering of Jesus is very, very serious. He's in the center of human history. Um, he's in this, he, you know, most history, historians would, would put Christ and everything else around him. You know, even the calendar follows the birth of Christ. There's, you know, it's just phenomenal the amount of influence in history Christ has had. So we know he existed. And by faith, those who follow him and, and have put their trust in him, you know he exists because you know how he's answered your prayers, how he's led you. But when we hit pain and suffering, sometimes we get stuck because you know, our doubts come in. But I want to encourage you. Jesus has been where you and I have never been. We have never been where he has been. I'm telling you this. The word excruciating actually comes from its original meaning, come, means to come out of the cross, excruciating comes from the it means out of the cross so it's almost like Christ has almost defined the most extreme pain you could experience that's what this means and if you know your biblical storyline if you know that Gethsemane you know the Passover 
Jesus knew what was happening. The disciples didn't understand it. They went there with him to pray and fell asleep. But he was in intense stress. If you've ever been in intense stress, Jesus, there's a medical expression there for, for what, that, what is on the screen. But he, he sweat drops of blood, it talks about in the Bible, which is a, it's a medical condition that does exist. Extreme stress, intense stress. He was arrested. He was flogged mercilessly. I'm talking flogging, um, lashes, bone. You know, it would have torn his flesh apart. His back would have been completely ripped apart. The muscles would have been invisible. The bones would have been visible in his back and shoulders. And that's why they put a red robe on him, king of the Jews. Why? Probably to cover up all the damage they'd done to him in the process. Slapped, punched, beaten, spat on. A crown of thorns. And they led him to be crucified and they made him carry his own cross. And, and in Roman tradition, you were crucified naked. That's the shame of the cross, let me tell you. I mean, the unbelievable pain. And then the excruciating, everything about this is, is just so wrong. And yet, he knew it was going to come, and he chose to go through that for us. And of course, you know, he was nailed. The Roman soldiers nailed him, hands and feet, Seven-inch nails, 18 centimeters or thereabouts. In the course of him dying on the cross, his shoulders would have been dislocated. Medically, he would have had cramps, spasms in his muscles. He'd have experienced extreme dehydration. He had severe blood loss. He would have had fluid in his lungs. His lungs would have collapsed. His heart would have failed. It's extreme. Why did he do that? Because God so loved you and me. That's why he did it. That's why he did it. He knew he was the only one. For the joy set before him, he endured that. And some of us give up with the slightest pain, the slightest difficulty, the slightest situation that goes against us. And we think, oh, I can't cope. I can't cope. Now, the truth is you can't really some things you can't cope with. But Jesus, God himself, gives us a way through these times of pain and suffering. But Jesus also, look at this, he refused any form of pain relief. You know, they offered him a sponge with wine and gall mixed together. That's a painkiller. They offered, you know, even the guards knew the seriousness of it. So what did Jesus do? He said, no, I'm going to endure the pain. He suffered severely but succeeded sensationally he knew he was the only one who could do it that's how he persevered and you know it chokes you up when you think about it because emotionally you you relate to the loss and the agony and the anguish and the pain you relate to it and we haven't had to go through that but we have gone through pain most of our pain is either physical contextual relational emotional it's real because it affects us it it Isolate, it can isolate us. It tries to isolate us. It can make you feel worthless. It can make you feel like there's something wrong in you. And it's not true. Pain and suffering is in this world. And what Christ has done is said, look, I have come to show you that there is joy beyond the pain and suffering. That you can find that place where your purpose, your identity gets you to the result. What you've been through, what you're going through, there's a purpose 
in you that transcends the pain, the suffering. And you yourself can succeed where others won't. Why? Because your trust is in one who is greater than you. Romans 5 verse 3 says, We rejoice, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman Christians who were in persecution, let me tell you. We, we, re, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. You see, we have got to have strong characters. We've got to. We've got to develop our characters. And it's easy, it's easy, you know, when times are good. It's not so easy when times are not good. We rejoice in our sufferings. It's profound, this. It's profound. You know, Craig Rochelle says, God will often give you more than you can handle so you can learn to depend on him rather than on yourself. And that's the challenge we get to. We get to a place where, can I cope with things? Can I keep pushing through? Can I keep trusting God in this? And the answer is you can. Why? Because Christ shows us himself that you can do that. That you can make a difference in your life by putting him first. So why does God allow pain and suffering? It's one of the biggest questions that people who object to religion or faith in Christ come up with. They say, well, how's all the suffering in the world? Because everybody experiences suffering at some time. Different degrees of pain, different degrees of suffering. Well, in a human simple sense, Pain and suffering is important because it alerts us to danger. It warns us of not doing certain things. So it's just a, an important part of life that without pain and suffering, we'd be doing crazy things, not realizing the damage it's doing to us. So there's a practical reason for it. So we don't want to take it away on that basis. But pain and suffering um, can come as a direct result of sin in a fallen humanity and the choices we made or we are able to make. We have a freedom to choose And in our freedom to choose, we allow ourselves to encounter pain and suffering. We can do. We make good decisions. Things work out. Sometimes they don't. Make bad decisions. You have the consequences of of those decisions. So it's freedom to, to choose. That's another reason why pain and suffering is part of our experience. It also reveals who we are. Because if it is all good... And you're the top of the class, you got the promotion, you won the prize, you won the lottery. <laughs> but what about when you didn't? What about when you didn't get promoted? When you went through a really difficult time? What about when you weren't top of the class? When the things you wanted never really happened? Then it's painful. And we suffer in different ways. It reveals who we are. It reveals the character that is in each one of us. And God, in a way, uses pain and suffering to help us to understand who we are. So that it draws us to God himself. In a way, in a strange way, a loving father allows us to experience things so that we can draw our attention back to him and put our trust in him. It's a sign in a strange way of God's love for us that when it's difficult, we choose to turn to him. And often we learn our greatest lessons in times of pain and suffering. Um, the Apostle Paul, who had, there's a description in the Bible in Corinthians about this thorn in his side that he tried, he asked God, take it away. It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. What does that mean? It means that 
that actually as we trust God, we start to see his grace at work in those times of pain and suffering. God's plan is to take away all pain and all suffering. That's his intention. But right now, we're on a journey in a fallen humanity where the world is groaning with all its problems and our lives are confronted by all these challenges. And God says, in those most difficult situations, trust me, draw yourself close to me and you'll find all you need. You'll find your grace. In other words, you can begin to almost celebrate in the difficulty. And if you can celebrate in the difficulty, then you become somebody that others can trust. When Christ is put right in the center of those most difficult times, when the choices you have to make, I've been in situations, I don't know about you, but the choices you make, either one of them is going to produce pain. (laughs) I've been in situations like that, and you may have too, and you think, how do you get through life when you have to take decisions that are going to end up producing pain somewhere? But we have to, and that's just the world we're in. But God's power works best in our weakness. What that means is we put him in the center. You know, a few years ago, we, my father was very, very ill. And he's still not doing brilliantly, but he's, he's, he's okay. Uh, and he was in a very major heart situation. Patworth and had this very serious bypass. He had to have an operation for it. But it was because of his age and circumstances, very difficult. And they said, look, you may not survive this operation. And it, very real. It wasn't just a classic kind of medical, you know, just be aware of the risks. This is a proper you may not survive. And this is 50-50 kind of situation. So as a family, we felt we should go and see him. And I remember the occasion. I got done for speeding, which I'm not proud of, but my mind was on other things on a clear road. But um, it was just, when you're in a situation where you know this could be the last time you see someone who's special to you, and you don't know if tomorrow they'll be here, it's painful. You know, I didn't suffer, but it's painful. Emotionally, it's painful. And what does the Bible say? It says, bring God right into the center of it. Bring God into the pain. Bring, bring God into it. And so we had communion. Very difficult, let me tell you. When you're with someone, you're praying, and you're thinking, this person may not be here tomorrow. But by God's grace, he pulled through. It's done brilliantly. Alive and kicking, he won't give up. No, not giving up easily. Still going strong for the kingdom of God and the gospel. But it's difficult. And you and I have been in situations. As a pastor, I, I, I have to do funerals. I have the joy of marriages and weddings. I have the sadness of funerals. We deal with all sorts of different things. Come across all sorts of points of pain in people's lives. And some people's lives, I know, have been horrendous. There are people in our church who have been through the most difficult agonizing, abusive situations. And their story is only redeemed by Jesus Christ as we bring it to the cross, as we bring it to God. And ultimately, why has God allowed pain and suffering? Because it shows us about eternity. It makes us think about eternity because God's promise is that he will remove pain and suffering. He removes sin. And so we have an eternal perspective on our lives. I think these five key areas are helpful for us as we talk to those who don't understand who Jesus is, don't understand the gospel. They don't understand why there is pain and suffering in the world. But the the thing is, it's going to be there whether we like it or not. And we just have to know how to get through it. And maybe today you're struggling a little bit. Maybe you're in a time of pain. Maybe you're in a time of suffering. Not as severe as the pain that Christ went through. But you're in it nonetheless. And it's emotionally difficult for you. 
It's not wrong. And it's not that you've done something wrong. It's just that we've got to figure out how to get you through that. And together as a church and as a community of believers, we stand together on that. And we want to stand together with people in community. We want this Christmas for people to encounter Christ for themselves. And we know many people will as they come to the activities over Christmas. You know, they say pain and suffering will either make you better or it'll make you bitter. We want to be better through our experiences. We're going to have a song now. So worship team, join me. We're going to stand. Have a little reflection on this. Think about where you are today. What's your relationship like with God? How are you coping with your areas of pain and pressure and, and stress and other things? And remember, we have a Savior who's been through things that we have been through. In fact, he's been through more. So as we stand and we sing this morning, let's think about how we can draw Christ right into the center of our situation today.